Let's welcome up Amparo and Ernesto. Uh, they are our pastors at Rancho en Español. And we're going to do this team teaching thing today, and we're going to celebrate, right? We're going to celebrate God's love and grace for all of us. We're going to celebrate each other, celebrate Rancho en Español, celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, and uh, really celebrate God's vision for diversity to bring us all together. And so uh, why don't you introduce yourself and Rancho en Español and where you come from? All right. I come from Sinaloa, Mexico. And uh, yeah, my Sinaloenses. <laughs> uh, um, it's a beautiful state. Allá comemos mucho marisco. We eat a lot of seafood in Sinaloa. So yeah, I've been here since the 90s. I uh, came here when I was 11 years old. And um, I am excited to be celebrating our heritage today. And I'm from El Salvador. Um, I came, my Salvadorian friends here. Uh, I came here in 2005. I was already 21, so it was a little harder for me just to adapt and to learn the language, pretty much. Uh, I think the culture, I think I embrace it quick, but to learn how to speak English, it's, it's, it's challenging. My wife got here earlier. She was able to go to high school here, so it's, it's a little challenge, but I love it. Um, I am making it my home, and then eight years ago, like my wife said, we came to Temecula. We found this amazing church. We got plugged in. We started serving in the worship team. And little do we know that we're going to end up being pastors here. Yeah, it's a great journey. Uh, just, you know, really from your own heritage and your own countries of origin and, and how you got here and why you got here and how you found each other and found the church. Now, we are so blessed to have you as pastors of this incredible community. And the wonderful thing about Rancho en Español, in my mind, is it's not just a, tr a congregation that we kind of, you know, rent to. Uh, that's what a lot of churches do, and it's totally fine, right? You, you rent or give a church to the Hispanic congregation. It really is. We are together. Uh, Ernie is a part of our staff and meets with our staff, plans together, preps together, shares as much of the, you know, kind of teaching series as we possibly can, uh, music together, a lot of things like that. So we learn a lot from Rancho en Español because it's really integrated in uh, who we are as a church. So we're very, very excited about that. So today we celebrate Rancho en Español. We celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month. We also celebrate God's vision for diversity. And that's something that you see throughout the scripture. Uh, the Old Testament is the Hebrew scripture, right? So it's very focused on the Jewish people. But in the Jewish scripture, you see God, God's heart for the entire world, all tribes, all tongues, all nations. In fact, when God first speaks in Genesis chapter 12, he's, he says to a, this patriarch of the Jewish people, he says this in Genesis 12, 3, through you, all families on earth will be blessed. God, from the very beginning, has had this vision for blessing all families, all tribes, all tongues, all nations, all languages. And then here comes Jesus, who is, you know, very much Hebrew and very much raised in the Hebrew tradition, raised in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. But then the resurrected Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in the Great Commission says to all of us, hey, this good news of God's grace is for all people. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth, right? Resurrected King of kings and Lord of lords. Now where's his heart? Go and make disciples, make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament and through the mouth of the resurrected Jesus, God's heart is for a diverse church, a diverse assembly, uh, all nations together. Yes, and, and for our Spanish ministry, 1 p.m. every um, Sunday, there is many nations represented in that community. We have... I think a little over 12 nations in from Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, all the way to um, South America, from Cuba. And it is just amazing how we're able to um, 
preach the gospel to all the nations, even from, from this church here in Temecula. I mean, all these people are connected to their families through social media, through their phone, through their WhatsApp. And, and, and it's just amazing. And one of our values here at Rancho is to equip the next generation, which is not just young people, but I think it's our 2023 way of saying we're making disciples of Jesus Christ. And when we do that at Rancho in Espanol, reaching all these different uh, ethnicities and different countries from Latin America, we feel that we're fulfilling that commission. Absolutely. And that's been fun for us to learn from you as well, that when we think of, of well, it's a Spanish-speaking church, the initial thought would be, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, a single culture of Spanish-speaking, and it's absolutely not. You've got 12 countries and 12 cultures represented. They all happen to speak Spanish as a common language, but the accents are different. You can tell where people come from. The food is different. The way they celebrate is different. As you mentioned, the sense of humor is different, which can be a challenge. <laughs> totally, totally can be a challenge. You can go to, uh, when I got here, I went to Tijuana. I have some friends. I was having a hard time understanding their jokes. In fact, I was getting upset because I just couldn't figure it out. Then later they told me, hey, if, 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 if you don't understand, if I don't offend you, it's because I love you. And I'm like, bro, that's so different. And it took me a while, but it's, it's the difference. It's beautiful, I think. Yeah, so Rancho in Espanol is really a multicultural church, right? Yes, and we know that God freely created, right, the world as an outpouring of his love. Everything we see in creation is intensely diverse, and God loves everything he created, and that reminds me of that verse, a famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, that's inclusive also, right, he loved the world, and then whosoever believes in him shall not perish. So as Christians, when we believe in him, when we accept him as our savior, we come under this new culture. This, uh, his, now is his kingdom. Now is not about, you know, my culture, what, how I do things. We are now under this new umbrella where this, he has these new rules that make no sense, right? He says, you need to love your neighbor. Uh, and that one is kind of easy, but when he says you need to love your enemies, that one is kind of hard because it goes totally against what I want to do, right? When, when somebody hurts me, I want to hurt them back. Anybody? <laughs> is it just me? And it's human nature, right? It's human, <laughs> it's human nature. nature. I just want to get back at them. But God says, no, you got to not just forgive, but you got to love them. So it goes everything against our logic, but again, um, we are under this new umbrella, and we are called to do that. And I also want to share this verse with you in Revelation 7, 9. It says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Every kind of race, right, before the throne. And like Pastor Scott always says, this is not just... This is not, a, it's not saying this for something that's going to happen when we get to heaven, but it's actually when we come under this umbrella, when we come under this new body of Christ. Yeah. So it's a new culture. And that is a vision for right here and right now, right? Where Jesus is the center and all tribes and all tongues on all nations are surrounding Jesus. Now, when we understand the love of Christ, the unconditional forgiving love of Christ and our union with God, we then look around and, and realize, well, we can unconditionally love each other and we can be united with each other. And what a great testimony that is to the entire world if the church surrounding Christ can love each other with all of our differences, uh, then that's a model for the whole world to say, hey, we can kind of love each other and we don't have to pursue vengeance or, or war. We can really love each other the way Jesus loves us. But that is a challenge. 
when it comes to this vision of diversity and this, this vision of all tribes, tongues, languages coming together and supporting each other, it is a real, real challenge. And the key word for that is intentionality, right? We talk about that a lot. We have to intentionally see the vision that Jesus has for a diverse church. And then we have to intentionally move past the challenges of a diverse church. And speaking of challenges, Scott, um, I mean, I've been here for eight years and I've seen you being intentional with diversity. Tell us a little bit how easy that is. <laughs> uh, not easy at all. So, you know, here we have this audacious dream, right, of being a diverse community of friends. That's the first phrase of our mission statement, a diverse community of friends. Well, that means diversity in every way. That means we wanna be a church where young people feel welcome and older people feel welcome. That's a challenge in and of itself. Where people with means and people without means both feel welcome. Where people that are Republicans and Democrats both feel welcome. <laughs> people of different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different colors feel welcome. That is really a challenge. And yep. the natural thing to do, Scott, even when you go to a party, since we have a fiesta today, is just to go and sit down or hang out with the people right. of your demographic, your age, your own interests. It's hard to go and, and say hi to someone that probably is older than you. 100%. Yeah, we call that uh, clustering, right? Everybody loves to cluster, and it's just human nature. It, it goes back to our you know, tribalism, where when we're around people that are the same as us, we feel safe. And so you'll see that everywhere. You see that at work, you see that in, in society, on playgrounds, where people cluster with people who look like them and people who have their basic same background and, and the same cultural background. And so it, it takes intentionality to say, we're gonna work towards creating a community that is diverse. And uh, that yeah. is a challenge for me personally, because um, we know some people say, I don't see color. And I don't know about you, but I do. I see color. When I see a blonde, uh, white child or person with blue eyes, sometimes I get intimidated and I'm, and I'm thinking in my subconscious, do they think the same? Do they eat the same? Do they, you know, it's the same as me. And then it's not until I am intentional, I go and I sit with that person and we talk and we're like, you know what? We have a lot in common. This community also struggles with alcoholism. There is also divorce in this community. There is also brokenness. And obviously suffering is what, you know, it's a common denominator in every race. So we have a lot, even though we are different, the first thing we see, right, is our, is our color, is how we, we are different. I just like flowers, I was saying earlier, like God created the flowers and they're all different colors. It's not like, we're, well, we don't see color. Yes, they are, they, there are different color flowers, and they're all beautiful, so yeah. we are celebrating and that And I'm today. learning that uh, from people of color, uh, that you know, when we say, uh, well, we're colorblind, we have to realize what we're basically saying is, I don't see you, because it's not just about the color of our skin. There's a heritage behind that. There's a story behind that. Uh, there's a whole life behind that that is expressed in our cultural differences. It is expressed in, in how we look different and dress different. So all of those different expressions are actually very beautiful. And I love what you said, that these are like colors in a, in a garden. It's not that we don't want to see color. We do. And we want to cherish each one and get to know each one. So there's a challenge. There's a challenge in appreciating and respecting our differences. And that's the key to it, right, is appreciate and respect our differences means it's okay to see our differences. And, and it's okay to, to appreciate that and to, and to learn from that. Um, much of the New Testament is actually about seeing each other and seeing the differences. Uh, you cannot read the New Testament without understanding the context is an absolute culture war between Greek culture and Jewish culture. That's the entire New Testament. It's a war between Greek culture, Romans, Roman Empire, and Hebrew culture, 
uh, the, the Hebrew people of the Old Testament, the culture of Jesus, they're at war with each other, as has been the case throughout human history. Cultures are always at war, considering each other threats. So here comes Jesus expressing unconditional love, dying for the sins of the whole world, all tribes, tongues, and nations, raising his king of kings over all the world, all tribes, tongues, and, and nations, then bringing them together. And so it's a challenge to appreciate and respect the differences, but if we know the heart of Christ, that his work was meant not just to reconcile me to God, but to reconcile all people to God and all people to each other. Ephesians chapter two, verse 18 puts it this way. Now all of us can come to the Father, and this is talking about race and ethnicities. All of the book of Ephesians, talking about bringing the races and ethnicities together. All of us can come to the Father through the, through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. It's pretty cool. It's beautiful. Yes, it's, it's, it's great. And then, like you're saying, it's just, um, I think our nature, it's just sometimes it's easier to, like, like the example I gave, you go to a party, it's easier to fellowship with people of right. that you're alike. And then the intentionality, and that's something that I appreciate here at Rancho, that we're intentional. It might not feel comfortable. There is this, uh, uh, this is one of my favorite Psalms, in Psalm 133, if I'm not mistaken. It says that how... Uh, good and um, he says another word. I don't remember pleasing. the word. Pleasing, <laughs> pleasing is for the the the, um, the childrens of God to fellowship together, to be united. Yeah. But check this word. It says how good. It doesn't say how easy. <laughs> That's true. I never it thought about that. It doesn't say easy. And then when we read the first uh, uh, chapter uh, of the Bible, when God is creating creating all this diversity, He used that same word. He says, "And it's good." Good. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but it is a challenge, right? It's a challenge to appreciate and respect our differences. It's also a challenge to have this vision of diversity and to practice diversity uh, because it's hard to respect and appreciate the different storylines. The different storylines. We're not just talking about a celebration of different cultures. We're talking about a celebration of different storylines. And there is a cultural storyline. Uh, for example, the, the American culture has a storyline, and that storyline is a diverse storyline from the very beginning. I mean, you know the Statue of Liberty exists for a reason, right? There's a plaque on the Statue of Liberty that says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shores, send these homeless tempest-tossed to me, I lift my lamp beside the golden door. This is, the, this is the invitation of America, that we are a melting pot. We are a diverse country. And there have been waves of, of migration. So if we're going to understand uh, whether it's Hispanic Heritage Month or uh, even European civilizations or Asian civilizations, a lot of the story is about migration. And the American story is about migration. So there is a huge migration from Europe to found this country, a huge migration from Europe in the 19th and 20th centuries, fleeing poverty and famine and political discontent. And then there was a great migration from uh, a lot of Asian uh, countries in the 20th century as they are fleeing poverty and all the wars that were in Asia, people coming to America to find that refuge. Uh, that refuge. And then over the last 50 years, there's been a migration from Latin American countries to America. And, and I know, you know, there's a lot of controversy around uh, politics and policies about uh, migration, and, and that's all fair. It's all fair, right? Yeah. But when we're talking from a biblical point of view, I think we've got to realize that, that the Scripture has always wanted to embrace people, as you say, Ernesto, to humanize every story. Human, humanizing is important because um, otherwise you just be a number or a statistic. Right. And or a just policy, to, right? Exactly. And I'll just give you an example. I'll put a face. This is uh, this shirt. This is the flag of my country, 
And I was telling Scott earlier, when I bought it, this is one of my favorite colors, greens. This is not the color of the flag, but it's one of my favorite colors. And when I saw this shirt, I was thinking, like, I was born in the 80s, and in my country, uh, there, there was a civil war happening when I was born. So when I was five, I remember going to bed and hiding under my bed because three houses down the street, people were fighting with each other. Like, there were tanks, bombs happening. So we were trying to, um, to, to, to protect ourselves. And that's the reason a lot of people from Latin America uh, left and got here. My mom left at the, at the end of the 80s. She left me there. I wasn't with her until I was 15. I thought she was dead, literally. I met her when I was 15. I was raised by my grandparents. And, and that's just one story. Out of those, like, I can tell you millions of stories of people like that. And when you do that, it's not a statistic. It's not a number. You're humanizing and I just think that that's part of what Jesus came to do to dignify humanity. And again, debating policy is fair game, but all of this from a biblical point of view and a Jesus-centered point of view is, you know, your story is not about policy. Your story is not about politics. Your story is not about, you know, a, a legislative bill. It's like these are human beings. Everyone is a human being. And whether it's from a migration from Europe or a migration from Asia or a migration from Latin America, we, we've got to address the challenge of appreciating and respecting different storylines. And I think it's important for us to realize that Jesus himself was a migrant. Jesus himself was a refugee. Jesus himself was fleeing violence the way you, know, you and your family and friends did. Uh, we see in Matthew chapter 2 that this violence was being perpetrated uh, against babies, right, against Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. And this angel says to Jesus and, and his family, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And so let's humanize every one of these stories. This is not just about policy. It's not just about uh, a number. It is about human beings. And that's appreciating and respecting our storylines. Yes, and also the people of um Israel, they were in bondage right in Egypt for so many years, and then God took him out, and they were going through this, they're going to the promised land, and once they got through the promised land, God gave them all these instructions and all these rules or these laws, and one of them says in Exodus 22, 1, I'm going to read it in Spanish. I had it in English, and somebody put it in Spanish, so I'm going to read it in Spanish. <laughs> Éxodo 22, 21, dice, No maltrates ni oprimas a los extranjeros, pues también tú y tu pueblo fueron extranjeros en Egipto. So what it's saying is that don't um, mistreat the migrants, migrants or foreign people because you were also a migrant yeah. or you were also foreign when you were in Egypt. Absolutely. So it's a challenge. To be a diverse community, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to appreciate and respect our differences. It's a challenge to appreciate and respect storylines. It is your storyline. It is my heritage storyline. It is the storyline of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. It's the storyline of Jesus, who himself uh, was a migrant and a, re and a refugee, to humanize all of it. It's also a challenge to learn from one another. Because when we face something that is different, a different culture, a different language, when we face initially something that's different, our brain says that's a threat. That's just the natural human response. So we don't need to feel guilty about the natural human response. It's what's kept us alive for hundreds of thousands of years. We're wired to see threats. But now that we're more advanced as you know, species and more advanced because of God's work in us, when we see something that's different, we can rewire this. And we can say, you know what? I'm not going to perceive that as a threat. In fact, I want to learn. Why do you do things differently? 
Why do you um, celebrate differently? Why are your families different? Um, what, what's there that I can learn from? So it's a challenge to learn from one another. And I've had the great privilege and honor of spending you know, quite a bit of time in Mexico and, and Peru in particular. And uh, what it was interesting about my time in Peru, uh, my brother uh, served there for about 15 years. And so when I spent time in Peru, I thought, well, this isn't anything like Mexico because <laughs> in my younger, inexperienced world, I'm thinking, well, it's Latin America. It's totally different, totally different culture, totally different food. And I began to appreciate, this is many decades ago, I began to appreciate the unique culture of Peru and the unique culture of Mexico. And I said, I have a lot to learn here. I've got a lot have to learn. Have you seen the, that scene from the movie Up that, uh, that this kid is looking at the map and he says, we're going to South America. It's America, but South. <laughs> right. <laughs> so good. Yeah, genius, right? So there's a lot to learn from the, the Hispanic people. So in, in my uh, own experiences, plus... You know, the things that I've learned, plus I asked these two, is this correct? <laughs> they said yes. So in the Hispanic community, we can learn uh, from their culture of family. There is a rich culture of family, not just Mexico and Peru, but all of Latin America. And, and, and family is something that's more than our nuclear family. So in the, more the Caucasian European culture, it's about the nuclear family, and then there's it's everybody else. But it's different in Latin America. Yeah, I mean, when we go outside, we know every neighbor, and when someone dies over there, someone passed away, oh my goodness, the whole town comes to your house and they're like, you have to make coffee, everyone's playing like bingo, or like, like literally, they spend the whole night with you, so it's like you know everyone. Yeah, and that's a very biblical thing. So, you know, we, we have things kind of really buttoned up more in the, in the Anglo world. Uh, in terms of our family, it's more small and tight, which is great, Again, there's no judgment, it's just we've got a lot to learn maybe from the Hispanic community Family is not just nuclear family, it is extended family, and it is beyond that. It is even friends considering ourselves to be family, and that's very biblical. Yeah, there is a lot of tios and tias, right? Sometimes it's yeah. just people that grow up with you, the, close to the family. You just call them tios, you yeah. just call them tios. Aunt, because... uncle, everybody, right? <laughs> regardless of bloodline, right? Yes, because they're the ones who are telling you, don't do this, don't do that. You, you are allowed to... <laughs> Discipline you know, to, other to discipline people's kids. Your, discipline your, yeah, your, your friend's kids. Yeah, your neighbors. Can you imagine that happening in the Anglo community? If somebody who's not related to you goes and disciplines your kid, it's like, what? It's the end it's of the normal. world. <laughs> it's very normal in, in our Yeah, country. which is, it's fantastic. So Proverbs 27.10 says this, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. So in the Hispanic community, your neighbor, whether they're related by blood or not, it's your family. You experience a crisis, a disaster strikes, they're gonna be there, it's pretty cool. Second thing we can learn from the Hispanic people is a culture of respect, culture of respect. Um, there's a, an order to respecting each other that, that uh, Anglo culture doesn't really quite practice. I think it's also limited by the language, probably. You know, you were saying that earlier. Yes. Uh, so in Spanish, we have the word usted, right? You have tú. You refer to someone casual, like a young person will call, uh, you know, someone that's his age or younger will say tú. But if you, if, if you are referring to someone who is older than you, like a teacher or even your, your tíos or tías, your mom and dad, your grandpa, grandma, you always say usted out of respect. And I have one of my Spanish students back there. She knows. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, anyway. 
Well, so as you're learning Spanish, that's something that, as those of you who take Spanish in high school, you know, uh, you got to learn. You got to get your head around is when do I use the to and when do I use the usted? There's a whole structure around that. And it's not just about the language, it's societal. There's a societal structure of where you give respect and you give respect kind of up and you give honor where honor is due. And that's very biblical principles. You give honor where honor is due. And in, in the more um, Anglo communities, uh, there isn't so much that, that language of, of respect. And that's something I think we can learn as well, is when people do get older, sometimes when people get older in the more Anglo cultures, they're just kind of, they just kind of drift, you know, off to the side. It's like, well, that's not true in the Hispanic culture, generally, there's a respect there. And that's true of the Asian community as well, a respect of the elders. So just, again, things that we can learn from. Romans 12.10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. There's a delight. I take pleasure in honoring you, you know, usted. I'm giving you the respect that you deserve. It's something very, very beautiful. Uh, third way we can learn from the Hispanic community is there's a culture of religious faith that is very, very powerful. And there's two sides to that, right? And, and as, a, as a leaders of uh, Rancho en Español, you're leading a religious community. And in Latin America, the religious, you know, kind of um, stream is very, very rigid sometimes, right? Yes. Yes. And then uh, it's hard to embrace grace. And then, like, uh, it takes us uh, it, intentionality. Sometimes we have to rewire ourselves just because, you know, there is a, so much injustice in Latin America. And when you come and read the Bible and you see all these rules and then the promise is that if you obeyed all these rules and you're going to be prosper, you're going to be blessed. So you fall for it immediately. You feel like this is good. But then when we read the New Testament and when we see that new covenant of grace that Jesus Christ came to establish, and then it's the aha moment for us. But it's not easy to embrace because we're wired to just, uh, we rather obey these laws. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge. We have a, a lot of um, people in our community that they come, including me, we come from very legalistic um, backgrounds or churches and where, you know, they've always told us, well, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. Like, you're not going to make it. You are always, you know, in trouble of losing your salvation. Yeah. So when, when, when somebody teaches you that since you're little, you know, it's, it's taken me years for me to understand grace, to fully capture it, because I tend to judge easily, because that's how I was taught, right, to judge. So the Holy Spirit is constantly working in me, and, you know, hey, you got to have grace. Extend that grace, because. Yeah. And 2,000 years ago, they still had the same issue. Right. Apostle Pablo, uh, pa Paul, I'm sorry, my Spanglish, <laughs> Apostle right. Pablo, uh, literally was struggling with that. It was not easy even for him, and he was like, he knew what's up. Yeah, well, absolutely. No, so he was a Pharisee, right? So he was raised with the religious rule book. And, and you, you mentioned that, uh, and this is something that, that kind of dawned on me, is when you come from a culture that could be a little uncertain or unsteady, whether it's civil wars or uh, migration or families being split apart over the you know, nations, when there's uncertainty, what do you want of your religious faith? You want certainty. Give me the list of rules. What do I have to do to obey? What do I have to do to get to heaven, right? It's something I can kind of grab onto. So the concept of grace when you come from uncertainty, could be a little bit unsteady, right? And that's true not only of the uh, Latin American culture, but I think this is global. Religious culture is a global problem where we're always living under guilt, we're living under shame. What does God want me to do? What do I have to believe to be saved? What do I have to do to be saved? And, and it's hard for us to go, you know what? It is just by God's grace. 
given to us through Jesus Christ. I'm good with God because he did all the work, because he says I love you, because he says you're forgiven, and I just live in the rest of that. That is, that is hard for all of us, regardless of our cultural background, to believe and receive. But it's a challenge for all of us, right? Um, and then uh, lastly, and we're gonna end on this, uh, the Hispanic community knows how to party. They know how to celebrate. Uh, my, uh, one of my twin boys has been uh, dating someone from Rancho Espanol for a year. And uh, that's we, how we set up this agreement to have this event. Yeah. So <laughs> they met and Two we were like, hey, can we have an event together? It's going to be awesome. <laughs> they just celebrated their one year anniversary dating. Really super cute. Right. And we've learned a lot from Anna, and uh, she's just such, you know, light in, in just in our own world as well. And, uh, but Every single week, she's going to I don't know how many parties with her family and her friends and, and bringing Carter along, and Carter's just like going to so many parties. And it's, it's like we talked about earlier. It's just, it's, yes, it's your nuclear family, but everybody's family and friends are family, and those parties just don't last for oh, a tight 90 minutes, and then it's time for us to go. They just go and go and go, which is fantastic, right? That's something that we can learn is like loosen up a little bit, right, and just hang out with each other and have a good time. That's right. That's, that's how we do. And that's then uh, uh, you, you were, when we were uh, talking about this uh, message, we were talking about also the, the example of the prodigal son. And I think that's a, an, an amazing example, like of, of you know, the, a moment of celebration at the end of a reunion. Yeah, so there was a great struggle, right, in the prodigal son. We teach the prodigal son a lot here. It really is. It's called the gospel within the gospel, the good news within the good news. Here's this son who ruins his life. He ruins his family life. He ruins his family's reputation. He squanders half of the family estate. It's just a mess. And, and he comes home, and they immediately party. They don't make anything right. They don't fix anything. It's a mess. It's a disaster. It's a family disaster, but they're together. And when they're reunited, they just feast and feast and feast. And so in, in Latin American culture, uh, what you know, I've learned over time is, is there's not just a partying or a celebration when things are going well. There's a celebration when things are not going well. We find a way to celebrate. We find a way to celebrate each other. We find a way to celebrate God. We find a way to celebrate hope that better days could be ahead. That's right. And we have this thing called padrinos, which is uh, someone that it's pitching. Like, for example, if we want to have a quinceañera and then we don't have money, we ask a padrino, hey, will you buy the cake? <laughs> will you pay for the band? Will you pay for the food? And that's something we do in order to make things happen. It is a cultural thing. In fact, for this Rancho Fiesta, we have a couple padrinos here, including Scott, oh, yes. too. He's one of our, <laughs> our sponsors. <laughs> Just kidding. But that's, that's what we have to do in order to make things happen. That's great. That's great. And that comes from really who God is to, to, to you and, and, and the story, right? That God has many names. And and, and God is provider, and, and God is, uh, you know, who we can rely on. He's like the, you know, patrino, is that the right? Yes. And, and I'll just want to end with this. Each of us have different stories. We, I mean, from the border here from Tijuana all the way to Latin America, there is one common denominator, and that it's that us migrants, we're looking for a place for opportunity. And when we come here, we have so many needs. One of the needs is material needs, emotional needs. But also we have spiritual needs. And, and when we meet new people at Rancho, like this, this happens to us very often at Rancho in Espanol. I mean, people have so many needs. But first, we don't preach the gospel to them. We know there's, there are basic needs. If they're hungry, we're going to feed them first. If they need clothes, we're going to find a way to provide for them. Because we believe those basic needs, those like it's the root of the gospel. Jesus came to dignify people with all these 
specific needs. And like, like you were saying, like uh, there is this different, um, different names of God that we can find through, through the scriptures. And uh, maybe when you're reading, probably based on your need, it might not mean anything. But for example, uh, Jehovah El Roy, the God who sees me. Jehovah Jireh. Jireh, there's a song we sing here called Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, that means the Lord will provide. So I'm just thinking of my grandma when I was little. Like, we didn't have money. I didn't have money to go to high school. <clears throat> and when I was a baby, I had this sickness. I, I, I had asthma. So my grandma had to take four-hour bus to go to, to the capital to, to see a doctor for me. And then she didn't have the money. And if you would have a car, probably that four-hour trip would have been 30 minutes. Not kidding. So imagine 40, I mean, four hours with a baby dying. And, and, and when I read the Bible and I find Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I, these words come alive to me because for us, that's hope. That's the only thing we had in Latin America. And I, I remember my grandma, rest in peace. She had to deal with that, and then she was a believer as well. So th when you understand that, you have this empathy, and also those words start becoming alive because we don't have anything else. We just have to yeah. seek God and, and try to find that. And your grandma raised you, and she passed away two months ago, and so we're sorry for your loss, but this is certainly your story as well. This is your, your storyline. This is your journey. This is how you know, God really met the needs of, of you and, and your mom and your grandma and your whole story. And you as well, Amparo, coming from Mexico, and so blessed to have you as part of our pastoral team here, leading uh, Rancho en Espanol, and then blessing us. We have so much to learn from you and the Hispanic heritage. Uh, and let's pray, and we're going to close in a song, and it's a party song. I mean, this is, I, we say that every once in a while, but it's like, this is a new definition uh, of, of celebration here at Rancho, so it's going to be fantastic. God, we thank you for the vision of diversity that is throughout your scripture, Old Testament, we see in the Hebrew scripture this vision that all tribes, all tongues, all nations will be blessed. We see from the mouth of the resurrected Jesus that there is this invitation of all nations, all tribes, all tongues to come to faith in Jesus and to enjoy being loved unconditionally by our God, to enjoy being united with our God and united to each other. Thank you for the Hispanic people, the Hispanic community, the Hispanic culture, as we can learn so many things. We can learn from their family. We can learn from uh, how they respect one another. We can learn from how they celebrate, even in hard times, and we can celebrate together as we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.